Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. Towards the end of last year, the Financial Conduct Authority published its long-awaited rules to curb greenwashing in investments and label sustainable funds. For a few years now, the FCA has also been considering advisor-specific rules on ESG. But when it published its SDR rules in November, the regulator instead said it was setting up an advisor working group to look at the issue. This will, quote, work together to build on existing capabilities in sustainable finance, including how the SDR and labels support advisors' roles, unquote. So what does that mean? How can adv- and what can advisors expect from this working group and how might it impact the way they operate? I'm Damien Fantato, Deputy Editor of FT Advisor, and with me to discuss this are Matthew Connell, Director of Public Policy and Public Affairs at the CII, and Luke Murray, a consultant at Boval. Hello, everyone. Hello. So, Hi. so um, we can probably spend a huge amount of time going through this, but I'm going to ask you very briefly to explain a little bit about what the current rules are for, for advisors in terms of you know, ESG, what, what, what they have to do um, regarding um, someone, regard, regarding a client who may or may not want to invest in an ESG uh, manner. Uh, Matthew, can we start with you? Yeah, so, so there, are, there are rules and there are standards and, and expectations. It's spread a little bit across the, the FCA handbook. But basically, uh, the training rules require advisors uh, to have competence uh, around ESG, um, around um, what, what, when the rules were written, what was called ethical funds. Um, so there is a, a requirement for an advisor to have awareness of, of this issue and, and, and a certain level of, of understanding as far as the qualifications go. Um, and then obviously, there's also so uh, requirement of advisors to explore uh, clients' goals, um, both um, financial and, and non-financial. Um, and so, so the requirements are that, that I guess at the moment, the requirements are, are more passive. If, if a client expresses a, a preference, then there's absolutely a, a requirement for IFAs to, uh, for, for advisors to um to 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 explore those op- options properly, and they're expected to be to be competent to do so. Mm-hmm. Luke, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think I think I'd, I think I'd probably just I guess highlight that sort of anti greenwashing rule in in sort of the SDR. That I think is quite important for for all firms, but obviously, namely uh, financial uh, advisors. And of course, there'll be some scoping still uh, still to be done to financial advisors, particularly if they find themselves a distributor firm within the rules. Uh, we know that distributor definitions are similar to other rules that a lot of sort of IFAs are already uh, tackling with um, with their sort of compliance requirements. Um, you know, whether they are distributors or not, I think is 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 um, is still could be an open question. But hopefully most IFAs will have done that work already. But I'd say the end screen washing rule and those uh, distributor requirements for the labels and disclosures are, are definitely at the, at the forefront of the requirements as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as I mentioned in, in my intro, there's, the FCA has been umming and ahhing for, for a little while about whether it would bring in um, specific rules for advisors on on ESG or, or ESDR or, or however, however you want to pronounce it, which suggests that there are maybe gaps in, in, in the current framework that it, that it considers may need to be filled. Um, or at least did. Um, Luke, starting with you, what, what do you think uh, the gaps in, in the current um, rules regarding um, ESG and, and advisors are? I think it's a great question. I think it's one that uh, 
one could argue is one of the key drivers for this um, for this working group from from the FCA. I think it's clear that the regulator uh, notices that financial advisors are going to have a bit of a tough time with the SDR, similar to perhaps the consumer duty, which wasn't uh, a long time ago, of course. So I think the first thing that I've seen and had discussions with uh, many financial advisors myself since the publication of the SDR, but obviously before the consultation phase as well, is is probably on suitability. So we, we know that is, with FCA rules in their sort of conduct of business source book, there are no specific ESG preferences requirements as of yet. So there's a lot of guidance out there um, already. And we know that uh, across in, in Europe, there are some guidance under the MIFID rules um, as well. So I think a lot of IFAs and financial advisors are quite keen to see if the SCA would bring in requirements more targeted at the financial advice space, particularly on uh, looking at sort of suitability for for those sort of retail consumers um, on their ESG preferences, as you know, as we all know, ESG is still a moving target, particularly for um, mm -hmm. firms, but of course for um, for retail consumers. Mm -hmm. Sure, Matthew. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just on those, that, that EU template, I think um, obviously the EU went first and then in around COP26, uh, UK authorities were keen to, to, to stress that they weren't lagging behind. So they uh, put out a statement around about COP26 saying that they were going to look at um, more requirements for advisors, perhaps around uh, requiring advisors to initiate the conversation uh, with, with clients. Um, I think since then, it's been a bit frustrating because when you get um, the authorities saying that there's going to be a requirement and then not actually clarifying what it, what it is, you can get a bit of retrospective uh, regulation slipping in when the requirement's finally defined. People say, well, you know, you, you, you knew there was a requirement coming. You, you should have known that what, what its final form was take so so there's a bit of regulatory risk in there which is frustrating for for, for advisors um, on the other hand I think the, the one good thing that's come out of the of the gap is that um, we can learn a little bit from what's happened in Europe because in Europe they went down a quite a prescriptive route uh, quite a sort of parent-child route of the authorities telling advisors what to say and now there's a, a bit of ping-pong where where you know people are saying well you know kind of we can talk about um, uh, you know climate related uh, issues and issues where there's a a strong system of labeling already but what about you know things like um water sustainability and things like that and and the eu sort of put those in as as requirements as well without having the system of labeling in 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 place so i guess one one thing you can say about the fca is they've 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 put the um the horse before the cart by by talking about the labels first and then and then moving on to the advisor requirements mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um so you so i get the impression that you're fairly happy about the fact that they've gone for this working group such process rather than issuing tablets from from the heavens yes yes absolutely yeah no and i think because i think the thing is that different different conversations around sustainability arise in different ways according to the way um the the advisor proposition is set up and and and, and according to different clients so having that conversation stemming from from practitioners is is really powerful yeah look do you agree do you think it's a, a better thing for the fca to have done to have um approached uh, the issue this way through a working group rather than just issuing mandates yeah i, I think many industry-led working groups as well for example from sort of PIMFA and the ia are, are, are very useful i think for not just financial advisors already but for other firms in industry to sort of share views on uh, what's working and what's not working and i think you know just just reading rules and guidance is, is always a good place to start but to really have those important discussions on on um you know, best practice and, and maybe challenges, I think, is always welcomed and particularly to come from sort of, you know, the horse's mouth from the regulator, I think is, I think is, I think is great. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Matthew, do you agree with Luke on that the, the, the issue of suitability is is really the, the one of the areas where there's a sort of a gap in in, in the rules of, around this as, as, as far as advisors are concerned at the moment? Yeah, and I and I think it's a it's a it's a moving target. So so it's it's good that the FCA is in dialogue and 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 is committed to uh, to providing to providing more clarity and, and and guidance I think particularly on on climate change and areas where um, so so with ethical uh, purely ethical investments uh, you can make a divide and say well there's financial considerations and non-financial considerations but I think with areas like climate change as we move more and more towards a situation where climate change is having a direct economic impact um, that there's it's, it's important to interpret the suitability rules uh, according to, to how things are. So, people with a long, long-range investment uh, outlook at the moment um, need to start thinking about the economic impacts of of, of climate change as uh, 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 as well as the the non-economic impacts. So, that in particular is one where people's financial planning and decisions is becoming more and more enmeshed with um, with environmentalism and and and, and climate change uh, than, than it would have been ten or fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. And look, are there any other particular areas that you think the working group might look at, or any particular areas that you'd like the, the working group to, to look at? I think the, the I think the two pieces that that come to mind and that I've had discussions already on is I think firstly that that sort of anti greenwashing rule. I mean, we we know that it's quite broad, and I think hopefully for some firms, quite uh, just on the face value, quite simple to understand. In that, you know, if you are Make any reference to sustainability characteristics of a, you know, of a sort of product in the UK or a service, then of course it has to be consistent with those sustainability characteristics and be fair, clear, and not misleading. But uh, we know that the SEA are, have also released, in conjunction with the rules, um, this this sort of guidance consultation on on looking at you know further guidance for all firms, including advisors, on how that rule can be implemented. So I think. I think that particular um, area on further guidance, I think the, the anti motion rule is going to be one of those rules that is constantly in consultation, if, if you see what I mean. I think it's going to be ones that uh, firms are always going to look at new examples and new scenarios where that rule can be expanded on and maybe need further um, tweaking. And then the other thing I would say is probably this key bit um, that was mentioned earlier on consumer education. I think the FCA think in sustainability, this is a massive area that... Um, advisors uh, should be constantly looking at and, and needing to get right, which obviously links to suitability. But I think where advisors can see what they can do on consumer education around sustainability, I think is I think is quite important as well. Mm-hmm. And Matthew, what do you think on uh, what Lucas just said? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've, we've just done some research with advisors that we're publishing soon on the uh, on the sustainability um, knowledge gap, uh, and obviously, as you'd expect, advisors are in are in in, in different places. So, um, I think for some advisors, the the regulatory issues that they're thinking about are, you know, we, we know that climate change is going to have a massive impact. We know that see the economic impact in terms of businesses not being able to get insurance in in some areas against flooding and things like that. So they're saying, well, we want we we want greater clarity greater movement from the regulator now around the current rules and and what that means for suitability and and, and consumer duty um, and then and then sort of more widely um, uh, other advisors looking and and saying yeah around anti-greenwashing where where does the responsibilities lie how much am I expected to to, to police um, providers um, what kind of ecosystem of uh, of information is is going to be available um, you know how much is the FCA going to police the, the benchmarking process and and things like that. 
Mm-hmm. And, and specifically, as far as, you, as far as you're concerned, are there any particular things that you'd like to see the, the working group address or, 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 or look at that you, we haven't discussed? Yeah, I think I think it's about kind of acknowledging different different clients, and I think the FCA's uh, labelling process um, uh, is, is it makes a really good fist of that sort of looking at um, clients who want who want to make an impact with their investments versus clients who are more kind of not in my name want to screen out um, certain investments. I think the labelling process follows different different client needs. I think we want that on the advice um, on on the advice part as well. So there's going to be some holistic advice that goes beyond uh, investment advice or even financial advice towards sort of personal finance around saving money and living in a more sustainable way. And I think that's that's a very powerful um, proposition for, 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 for advisors to, to, to take that, that really holistic approach. Um, but equally, you know, it's, it's an approach, it needs to be an approach that fits advisors' relationship with, with clients uh, and, and allows advisors to construct conversations in a, in a, in a realistic way, rather than perhaps more the, the EU way of, of having more of a, a question questionnaire and uh, uh, and you just got to plough through the, the questionnaire that the regulators created. Mm, sure. There are some advisors who are absolutely embracing this. There are f- some firms whose whole ethos is, is around sustainability and ESG. Um, there are going to be other advisors who say, oh, no, I've already had the target market stuff in prods, I've got consumer duty, now I've got this stuff where I have to seem to have ask you know, um, my clients about whether they drive a electric vehicle or whatever so, so maybe they, this is maybe that might be the way they they think about it uh, hey how um comfortable are you that this isn't going to be um too onerous mm. uh, a, a burden do you think matthew yeah, absolutely, and 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 you know you can see some circumstances. For example, a client who's who's very worried about um, having been invited to a to a scam. Um, they want advice on on that specific area. They don't necessarily want to <laughs> to, to launch into a conversation about sustainability um, straight away. Um, but equally, I think however much uh, uh, however much you feel that your clients are just focused on the on on the financial side of things uh, and aren't so much interested on uh, environmental or, or social issues. Um, you know that environmental issues like climate change are going to have an impact. They are going to have an economic impact, um, just as you know, kind of political risk and, and investing in some areas, politically volatile areas, has a has an impact. So I think even for advisors who feel that their clients are just meat and potatoes, just want to look at the financial side, um, increasingly um, the way in which funds um, take account of environmental uh, impacts like climate change is, is going to have a, a very raw uh, financial impact and economic impact as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke, what do, you, what do you think about that issue of whether this is going to be, you know, yet a, maybe impose yet another burden as, as the advisor sees it on, on, on clients that aren't, might not necessarily be interested? Yeah, so it, it, it's certainly a great point and one which a lot of advisors will be thinking about. I mean, I, I, I know that the SCA in their policy statement sort of uh, said that, you know, advisors should already be sort of discussing any sort of sustainable investment objectives with with sort of clients as part of their um, existing consumer duty obligations. But of course, that won't apply to all advisors. Some advisors will be uh, at the very at the very start of their journeys on, on implementing SDR, or even just in fact talking about sustainability with their um with their clients. But I, I think going back to that consumer education piece, I think, you know, instead of jumping into perhaps um, 
what uh, their investment goals are when it comes to sustainability. There's a there's a real key point here for perhaps advisors to take a step back and to really ensure that their clients really understand uh, the the key characteristics or parts of an ESG market that they're interested in. I think, as we've all said before, you know ESG is certainly a moving target in industry that is constantly evolving day by day, and and one which I think uh, making sure that your consumer understands what they're wanting i think is is probably uh the, well, one of the first things to get right before then looking at um how sort of the labels and disclosures etc can be can be, then be understood mm-hmm. interesting yeah i guess there are many product providers are increasingly you know product providers dfms are increasingly marketing their services in in with a with an esg frame of reference so it's something that uh, people are going to have to um, get used to navigating, even if they don't necessarily, um, even if they don't necessarily um, s- jump s- headfirst into the uh, in- into that uh, pool and uh, turn and up op- and navigate their whole business around it. Um, great. Uh, well, um, thank you very much um, to Matthew and Luke for your time, and um, thank you very much uh, for listening. And uh, tune in again next week for the uh, next edition of the FT Advisor podcast. Thank you. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.